Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Mark DeBona joins us today to discuss his career in law enforcement, PTSD, depression, anxiety, and suicide. Mark is the co-founder of Protecting the Guardian, an organization that helps to create, promote, and maintain the health and wellness of law enforcement officers and to empower them to succeed in their careers as well as their personal lives. What, uh, what a great mission to have, Mark. I know that both Linda and I look forward to hearing more about that organization and overall more about your perspective on uh, mental health and first response. So first, if you don't mind taking a moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Well, first of all, I want to thank Linda and Jay. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's it's a privilege, and especially here some some people that talk the exact same way I do with my accent. <laughs> yeah. now, it's a little bit it's a little bit different. I'm a little yeah. bit different. Hey, it's him. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I noticed that. Yeah, I did notice that. <laughs> but I still park my car in the yard, so so I still have my my Massachusetts roots. Good stuff. Uh, so I was uh, I, 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 I I was like such on a personal level. That's that, that's okay. Um, yeah. Married for uh, 31 years. It's not the typical cop marriage. Uh, I, I married to the same woman for 31 years. Um, so, yeah. and uh, we have no kids. We have two dogs. We're, we're, the, we're the dog family. Uh, I am truly blessed when it comes to my wife, and she'll come up again uh, when I when I talk about my testimony about uh, how she stood by me during the worst times and uh, in the best times. And she gets stress, PTSD. She's a, she's a registered nurse. She's also diagnosed with PTSD. Um, so she understands... Uh, mental health wellness and, and how, what, what, how we need to make a change. So I started, I was born and raised in Quincy. Um, I was raised in a single parent home. My, my mom was my everything. My mother was my role model in my life. Uh, she, unfortunately, she passed away about seven years ago. Um, I started my career in Braintree as a reserve officer. And I worked with Braintree about uh, probably about two, two and a half years. And I was trying so hard to get on uh, Quincy because because that was, that was my hometown it was Quincy. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, it just, it just it just didn't work out. And the, and and like the chief said on on your last podcast, if you didn't score a ninety nine or a hundred, uh, you're you're kind of in the woods. Yeah. So you know, the Amtrak police never heard of them at all. I'm like, what what are the Amtrak police? Uh, and it being a great job, I I love doing it. I was a field training officer with them. Um, I literally literally loved my job, but unfortunately, budget cuts happened, and um, so I was cut. Uh, on, on budget cuts in the uh, early 90s. So I decided, my wife and I decided to move to Florida. We did a year in Avon Park, which is a small little town in Highlands County. I think it was like a 15-person police department when I was there. I wow. uh, year there, and then I went to the Seminole County Sheriff's Office, which is just just north of Orange County, which is Orlando. And I did 25, 25 years in one month, distinctly. Uh, went, went there. I took an early retirement uh, by choice. 
because I knew it was time for me to go. Uh, I love being a cop. 33 years total on the job. Um, I was a sergeant, sergeant for 19 out of those uh, 33 years. I was a, uh, I truly believe when I say this, I was a cop's cop. Um, the guys and girls came first. Well, yeah. that was always, that was, that was always my thing. And you lead by example. And unfortunately, a lot of, um, I say this quote all the time. This, in my career, I worked with several supervisors, but very few leaders. And unfortunately, um, that's that's now the first responder world. And that's pretty much in every every job also. So I've been retired. I retired on April 1st, April Fool's Day, 2019. Um, so I've been gone now four years. Um, my life was is 100% turned around now being retired. Um, I, I love it. Uh, stress, stress is very low than it was four years ago. Uh, I look at life totally different. Um, as you guys see, I grew my hair long. I got all tatted up and uh, playing the guitar. And uh, life is good. Like, 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 life is really, really good. I love being a cop, but I, I knew it was time to move on. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that, uh, Mark, with us. I mean, I know there's going to be so much more. Um, you know, that was just sort of you introducing yourself to us. But tell us a little bit. Let's take it back a little bit to the start of your career right, in um, Braintree and then moving on, right? You went you went long on Braintree. How long were you there? Uh, about two and a half years. I, I, I was a reserve special officer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess just, just could not, could not land a job with civil service. That's why I had to move on from Braintree to, uh, because I, I wasn't a full-time employee, so obviously yeah. I didn't get benefits or anything like that. I worked details to make ends meet, and that, that was nice. Yeah. So need a medical plan and uh, things like that. That's why I had to move on from Braintree. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be a police officer? What made did you What made you want to go into that profession in uh, in um, the beginning? I, I'll show my age. Adam, twelve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those uh, cop shows in the sixties and seventies. All my life, I wanted to be a cop. I mean, I, I I can't even remember how old I was. Just having that dream of being a police officer. And unfortunately, you know, fortunately, it, it fulfilled my dream, and I really did. Looking back, I, I would do it over again. So you always want, yeah, you always knew you wanted yeah. to be a cop. You were going oh, to go, you were going to go there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, I applied for Harvard Medical School as a chief surgeon. I got denied, so I figured I'd become a cop. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. So tell me, you you went to Florida, right? And. Right. Share us, tell us a little bit about that experience in Florida as a police officer. Um, there, tell us the, your story. Tell us about you. Uh, it's it's different from being a cop in Massachusetts. Obviously, the laws are different. Uh, yeah, you know, people are obviously different cultures. Um, so it was it was it was a little. I was a little shell shocked when I first moved to Florida. You know, I uh, my training officer's name was Bubba. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, so um, I love Bubba. Bubba was a great guy. Was a, d- a different style of policing. Um, you know, Massachusetts was kind of like a, more of a hands-on uh, type policing. Uh, yeah. It was kicked it back to notch. Uh, not that people weren't afraid to go hands-on or anything like that, but it was just kind of a different type of policing. And uh, I had I, I kind of had to adjust to that different type of policing. Um, but I, but I, I, I was very comfortable working in Florida. I, I, di- I did enjoy it. Um Massachusetts, a lot different than Massachusetts, you know, not civil service. Uh, the unions aren't as strong as they are in Massachusetts. So cops have to really be on their best behavior in Florida. Okay. And um, it's a right to work state also. So that that's, that's difficult. 
Okay. So t- so tell us a little bit about your 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 experience there as a police officer. Did you experience um you know we we're hopey on the badge, right? So we talk about mental health, right? In first response and how hard it is for first responders to be um to talk about what's going on in their lives with trauma like from that last call, the whole thing. Did you experience any of that down there? Oh, like oh, in absolutely. your career, it's funny to say this, Linda. Is when I got I got sworn in on June 6, nineteen eighty five, at the Braintree Town Hall. And if you said to me on June twenty seventh, twenty twenty three, I'd be on a podcast talking about mental health. First, I'd ask you what a podcast is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. To talk about mental health is uh, it's just a subject that that uh, is, is unfortunately till this day it's a taboo subject. Yeah, uh, people don't want to talk about it. It's the elephant in the room. It's a sign of weakness, um, it, and it, it's really, really sad. And, uh, you know, I saw some moments in, in Massachusetts, you know, especially working for Amtrak, a lot of people hit by trains, uh, uh, a lot of suicides uh, via the trains. And um, like the chief, the chief said in your last uh, podcast, choir practice, go have a couple of beers. Oh, so you um, you recognize that that lingo, oh, choir oh, practice? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, so he, I, I had never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, choir practice. I, I used to love choir practice, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Drinking my Narragansett beer, <laughs> you know, back, yeah. back home. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, but we've gone, we, we haven't gone a long way from choir practice. But my personal opinion, we're not, we're not nearly close as we, we should be as close. Um, I started my, um, I would say my interest in mental health um, started, um, Probably late in my career, uh, it, it started when I when I started working for the sheriff's office in 1994, and I saw a lot of events that uh, were affecting uh, the deputies that I worked for. In case people aren't familiar with Florida, deputy sheriffs in Florida work patrol. Unlike in Massachusetts, you know they do civil and um, the um, uh, the jail and things like. In Florida, they do we actually do uh, patrol. Okay. So there are a lot of things um, that were bothered that started bothering me, and I'm like, what is this? You know, this shouldn't be bothering me. I, I, you know, two years ago, I saw a guy ran over by a train. I'm like, oh, this, you know, whatever, let's just do our job. But then it started sinking in that, you know, the, the trauma from that. And if I said to somebody, you know, this this is kind of messed up, mm-hmm. you trade is weak. So I uh, I joined the, um, this, uh, my, my sheriff's office uh, peer support unit. Um, then it was called critical and stress management team. And I, li- I liked it a lot. But one thing that I thought that was missing was what what are we do, what are we doing for the aftercare of, of of a traumatic scene or an officer says hey listen I, I need a time out here I I need a couple of days off or a couple of weeks off uh, I don't want to drink I don't want to use drugs I I want to I, I want to get back into life and I saw how people were shunned by that mm-hmm. and that, that literally I mean literally literally broke my heart when I when I saw that. Um, and the one thing we, we don't talk about a lot in law enforcement also, because it go, kind of leads right, right to uh, PTSD and mental health illness. We don't, t- we don't talk about bullying within the agencies. Okay. There, there, there are a lot of bullies. Either, either they're in the command staff or they're at officer level. They're, they, they, they bully other officers. Yeah. And when you're bullied by your own people, you're, you're like, well, what the heck is this? It's almost like that, you know, like that, you know, that one boss that walks around and I call him the schoolyard bully that walks around. Everybody's afraid of this bully. And not really, this person's probably a very, very weak person in reality, but you're, you're flexing your rank or you're flexing your, um, who you know and stuff like that to bully others. 
or if opera says don't, don't jump on the bandwagon um, on, on where the, where, not necessarily where the agency's going, but you know, we're in America. We have, we have a right to have our opinion. Yeah. And when I, when I saw all that, I just said, this is kind of, this is kind of messed up. So uh, what led me more into the mental health part of it was, um, and when I said about the bullying, I had a new boss come in. Uh, I was a sergeant. Um, I had a squad that was probably the, the I couldn't have handpicked a better squad. I literally love those guys and girls. They worked so well together. I used to make a joke. I don't need to be here. You got, you guys got this, you yeah. know? Um, and um, a new boss came in and became a micromanager, became a very belittling person, uh, a total suck up to the bosses. And that just turned me off. The way he started talking down to people, talking down to his sergeants and using quotes like, when I speak, I am the sheriff. Um, you're mm. only a sergeant. I'm a lieutenant. You're not, you don't have the knowledge and the experience that I have. And finally, I'm like, you know, my, 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 my Massachusetts Italian attitude kicked right in. I said, hey, whoa, 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 time out here. I, we're, we're not going to listen to this crap. And obviously, that didn't go over well. <laughs> so, um, and I, be, I started becoming rebellious. Um, but I really didn't understand why I became rebellious. I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe I'm just standing on my own. But what I did notice, I was standing on my own because people weren't jumping in with me. Now, maybe my delivery sucked. Hmm. Um, and that, that probably that, that probably did, but I felt a little abandoned, to be, to be honest with you. So you didn't have the support from others who were your team? No, unfortunately mm. not. And then I responded to, um, to 9-11 when the towers were hit. Uh, the sheriff sent up, uh, I, think, I believe it was 10 of us, two or three days after the towers were hit, and I spent um, three weeks up there. And I saw it. I saw a lot. Uh, wow. Burned bodies, devastation, um, pops, firefighters, EMS, military, all walk, walking around with, with their heads down. And as you know, in the first responder world, we have a very unique, weird sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, people think we're, we're messed up, but that's how we relieve our stress. And there wasn't much of that going on. So one thing I did notice at the towers, because I was literally right next to it, was they had a bunch of tents, like for food, first aid, and things like that. They had a sign on one of the tents, let's talk. And it was a guy and a girl just sitting at a table. And I looked at them and I was like, who the hell are these people? I thought, I thought to myself, you know, I'm like, yeah. you know, and I'm like, I'm not going to go talk to them. Are you kidding me? But I could smell the, I could smell death in the air and all that stuff. So when I came back to Florida, um, one of the first calls I handled when I was in Florida was a vehicle uh, fire fully engulfed. And uh, me and another deputy watched the person die in the car. We couldn't get the fire out. And that oh. immediately triggered me to 9-11 yeah. with the smothering, the smell. Uh, it was really, really sad. And um, so so that that went on for a little while. And I said I said to a buddy of mine, uh, you know, that, that call was kind of messed up the other day on on uh, on I-4. But we literally saw that person burned to death. He shrugged his shoulder and goes, move on. Yeah. I'm like, that's really not what I wanted to hear, to be honest with you. You know, I went home and talked to my wife about it. My wife's you know, my best resource. And, uh, she's, you know, she, she gets it. And then, um, you know, the bullying continued at work to the point where, um, I, I was getting written up all the time. I was being second guessed. Uh, I was being micromanaged. So I tried to have that, let's sit down and talk meeting. And I can be honest, this person knew how to push my buttons. There's no question about that. We, we've got to the point we got in each other's faces a couple of times. And I'm like, no, this, this, is, this is not going to work out in my career. During this time also, um, I was sitting at a fire station. The fire department went out on a call. 
I had a woman pull up to uh, pull up next to me at Nakara. She gets out. She hands me a four month old baby and says, "My baby's not breathing." Now I don't care how much of a tough person you think you are. You're holding the baby's not breathing in your arms. Excuse my French. That's no shit moment. Yeah, wow. that's just uh, yeah, that's just traumatic. So I did CPR on the baby. I was so proud of myself. I got the baby's heartbeat back. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, it, then again, then I lost the heartbeat and went to the hospital and I was holding the baby's hand when the doctor pronounced the baby dead. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was, that was traumatic. That, 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 wow. that really was. So I turned to self-medication. I turned, I, tr- I turned into eating, um, in four or five months I gained, I went up to about 289 pounds from about 229 pounds. Uh, I gained a lot of weight and also I, tr- I turned to alcohol, uh, before work after work, and I'll be 100% honest here, at work also. Yep. I carry a bottle of tequila in my equipment bag. I knew I was declining. My wife told me I was declining. I told my wife, you don't get this. You're not a pop. You don't understand this. Uh, and I started shunning my wife also, to the point where I started sleeping in a different bedroom. At that so it's point. affecting your marriage also? Yeah. Oh, big, yeah. Big time. We, we, we stopped doing things that we like, we like to do. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest things my wife and I do, we love to go to the beach, live in Florida. That's, that's great. Uh, we like to, when the Red Sox come into town into uh, St. Pete, we like going over and seeing the Red Sox. We stopped doing that. And I became a complete loner. Uh, I would snap at my wife. I would yell at my wife. And I, that that's out of character for me. I, I know who yeah. the boss is. My relationship is my wife. Uh, so, um, <laughs> So then it just it just kept on building up and building up and building up. So I said, you know something? Maybe I do need to get help. Yeah, yeah, maybe I do. So I went to another friend of mine that was in that unit that I was in, and uh, his exact words were, don't burden me with this. I'm trying to get promoted. Wow, so you went to a friend to talk to a friend, and yeah, that was the reaction that you got? That's the reaction I got, and I thought, I said, where's the brotherhood? Where's the, where's the, where's the brotherhood? Where's the sisterhood? Where's the thin blue line? What is this? I, I I could not. I was literally floored when I uh, w- when that happened to me. And I saw. I also started um, having nightmares. I was having nightmares of the baby. Um, I was nightmares of nine eleven. And I'm very frank when I say this. When I was a child, I was sexually abused, and I was sexually abused by a police officer. Uh, I started having nightmares of that. And as weird as this may sound, Jay and Linda, I was having. A pro- I had started having a problem with authority. I didn't like authority figures. Um, and that's really strange being a law enforcement officer. You're like, how does this happen? And then just one day I came to a Christian one, one night I'm working, just nothing was going right. Uh, my marriage is on the rocks. Uh, and I wrote a suicide note. Never had a suicide thought in my life. I just said, you know, um, one thing I, one thing I've learned in mental health is this is uh, suicide is not about dying. It's about stopping the pain. Um, and I wrote that note. It was a nasty, nasty note uh, to my agency. Um, the, on the flip side, was to my uh, to my mom. She, she was alive then, and my wife. I called myself a loser. Can't take this anymore. You don't get this. And I put the gun in my mouth. And uh, as I'm getting ready to squeeze the trigger, uh, another deputy pulled up to me. The guy on my squad, uh, and I mention his name all the time, Craig Wiki. Craig talked me down. Craig saved my life that night. I told him, "All right." I said, "Craig, I have the gun in my lap. I just had it in my mouth." Um, I can't take this anymore. I'm your sergeant. Go back in your zone. You know, mind, mind your own business. And uh, he talked to me about four hours. Wow. Um, and it was mentioned on the last podcast, podcast also Boston Police Stress Unit. Um, I contacted them because I, I wanted to get the heck out of Florida. Uh, I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want anybody. I felt like I was damaged goods. 
I went up to the stress unit. They sent me to a place uh, uh, to get some help. I'll be 100% honest when I tell you this. I lied my way through it. I just, yeah, I'm like, no, no, no. You were yes manning? You were like, yeah, yes, sir, I, I, yes, sir. I'm just, I'm just like, you know, I'll go through the motions. Oh, yeah, I'll tell them what they want to hear so I can get the heck out of here. And I uh, came back to Florida. It was probably worse than when I left as far as my mental health state went. So I felt I felt I had to be transparent. I went to my agency and said, this is what happened to me. I had the gun in my mouth one other time at my house uh, that night also. Uh, and automatically I was like, whoa, whoa, we, what's going on here? We don't have, we don't have this problem. And, uh, I went to EAP, got very little satisfaction from EAP. Not, I'm not bad mouth EAP because since I've worked with EAP providers, I've been very, very good. And, um, but I became very vocal, but when I spoke, I spoke angry because I felt that I felt jaded by my department, the way some department heads were, were talking to me, how they ridiculed me, how they made fun of me. These are big bosses. Mm. Uh, think they'd be like hey let's you know let's 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 hug this out you know let's 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 do the right thing for our people um i was i was i was recommended termination at one time uh and i I said you you've got it you've got to be kidding me and with the assistance of my wife and uh my i'm still in therapy till this day uh my my therapist jamie she's a retired orlando cop and she's like one of the most amazing people i ever met in my life uh i was able to turn my life around but the problem was when I went and did my presentations, a lot of F-bombs, a lot of, uh, you don't get this, you don't understand. And I spoke very angry. And my, I was driving home from a presentation one time and my wife said to me, I said to my wife, how did the presentation go? She looked me dead in the eye and she goes, it sucked. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're, you're my number one fan. I, I, are you kidding me? She goes, I listened to two hours of poor me, poor me, Mr. Angry, on and on and on. She was one of the things that attracted me when we met in 1985 was your humor. You made me laugh like all the time. And she's bring some humor into that. So that's what I do now with my presentations. I use humor. I use reality, tell a few war stories, and, but I make, I speak from the heart. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed of my past whatsoever. I'm actually thankful of my past because my, my past has actually put me in a much better place than I could ever be at one time in my life. But uh, my my mission, my goal, and the goal of Protect the Guardian is is that we want to show law enforcement, first responders that you know that, that cl- I, I'm not a really big fan of this line. It's okay not to be okay, but it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And to show that everybody struggles. Everybody, everybody, listen to us right now. Us three right here. We're all dealing. We're all dealing with the demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our life that we may choose to talk about or we may not choose to talk about. Yeah. But, but the only way to get help is by asking for help. And there's nothing to be ashamed about. I'm diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and anxiety. When, when I got diagnosed by that, I thought it was the end of the world. Uh, they put me on medication. And I'll be quite frank when I say this. I said, only crazy people take medication. Uh, I no, no way am I, no way am I taking a Xanax. No way. Uh-uh. Now I'm like, yeah, I need my happy pill today. Yeah. yeah you know, and uh, life is good. Life is very, very good. So can I can I go back in there a little bit because I've been writing down like all these little notes here um, as you're talking. First of all, I got like the hairs on my arms like like stood on end when you were able to just come out and say like I put the gun in my mouth and um, you know that sort of like whoa you know that he's able to talk about that um, and not start to go back into the moment of that moment, you know what I mean? Like lose your train right. of thought. Right. But I want to 
there was there was a certain thing that that hit me the bullying um earlier on in the conversation when you were going through that and you were you were telling that part story about it like i want to ask you like when when you were going through that experience and you were you knew it was wrong right and you knew this guy was basically what i would say was throwing his weight around right um mm-hmm. you know being being the egotistical person i'm the sheriff when i speak i'm the sheriff that type of way right how did that how did that make you feel like what was what was that he, feeling like he was good at what he did <laughs> I, will, I will tell you that uh if he could write a book on narcissism and a book on bullying he'd probably be uh on amazon's bestseller to be honest with you uh he wow. was but it made me feel worthless it made me feel that through my career that uh, the good stuff i did the mentoring i did teaching at the police academy um, it made me feel like I was just worthless. It just made me feel like um, I, I wasn't accepted. Um, he would, you know, especially when he uses lines that, uh, you know, I speak, I am the sheriff because he was so connected to the command staff. I used to say to myself, what, you know, what's this guy saying to the command staff? What's he, and I, and I became paranoid also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say the probably the key point on, the, on your question, Linda, is um, I felt worthless. I felt less of a man. I just yeah. it didn't feel like a cop, didn't feel like a sergeant, uh, didn't feel like Mark Dubana. Yeah, so right there, I mean, the, your confidence was going out the window because you didn't feel, sure. you know, you were being supported also by your peers and um, the team who you had led, right? And and right, right. you showed structure to and, and leadership to um, earlier on. And then, you know, that had to be definitely... Um, a hard time for you to sort of experience that alone during all that time with the bullying, not being supported by, you know, your department, the, your peers. Also, the traumatic incident with the child, with the baby, um, sexual abuse, and then 9-11. During all of that time, you had never gone to seek help, like as far as, go to a therapist. I, I did hear you say that your wife said you need to go and get help. Um, did you go to a therapist? Did you go to a doctor and say, hey, I'm not feeling good? I went to my primary care doctor and I told her that, you know, I've got a lot on my mind and I'm not, I'm just not feeling good. And how she kind of brought it into me because she started talking about my weight. You know, boy, you gained a, you gained a lot of weight. Your yeah, the weight gain too, yeah. Yeah, your blood pressure is high. You're saying you're having headaches and all that stuff. She goes, I believe a lot of this is probably um, a lot to do with mental health. And of course, I got pissed off at her right away you know, when she said that. So she referred me to a mental health professional, and I didn't go. You did? I, I just said, nope, absolutely not, because if they find out, here comes the rubber gun squad. You know? Um, oh, man. Yeah. I heard so, that so in I'm our sure last I... episode, yes. Yeah. Yep. So even – so you didn't – your doctor said, yes, I'm going to recommend a mental health professional to, to, yeah. for you to, to go on and, and get help that way, seek help that way, but you didn't take it. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't take it at all. So, so what, did you, what did you feel that was going to happen, though? I thought that I was eventually probably going to be fired. Uh, I eventually thought I was probably going to be divorced. Uh, though those were like uh, literally like nightmares on both because you know I, I I was I was a cop since I was 21 years old. What do I do? I've been with my wife since 1985. I really don't want to be with anybody else. Mm. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? And then 
I also became um, very angry at God, uh, you know, and uh, which which upset me because uh, I wasn't a Christian back then. I'm a Christian now, but uh, that would you know I'm like oh you know who's this God guy? You know he's supposed to help us all. He doesn't. You can't be going through this. And uh, but I think the, 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 the I think the biggest thing Linda was I just ref- I knew I was going down a, a path that I shouldn't be going down, going to a spiral downhill. Um, Drinking on duty, obviously that's that's not not the that's that's not good at all. Yeah, and uh, I just said, yeah, whatever happens, happens. You know, maybe I can move back to Massachusetts. You know, maybe I'll meet somebody else. I, I don't know, but I just refused to take that step to get help. Yeah, I just refused. Yeah, and I just said, there's no way I'm going to be a marked man because of the stigma. Because of the stigma, absolutely, one hundred percent. So. Having said that, what's your take on stigma? What does that mean to you? What's your definition of that? Stigma is the most nastiest word in mental health. Nastiest word in mental health. Okay, that's one thing we have to we have to change the stigma. Like I said earlier, everybody's fighting a everybody's fighting a battle. Everybody's fighting a demon. It's uh, it, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be it's okay to be depressed. These are all things that go through life. And the stigma of mental health illness, we we we, we got to cleanse that, we, we or get rid of it, or whatever you want to call it. Because if we're if if this podcast was about uh, cancer survival, you know, oh my God, he has cancer. I, I feel so bad for him or her. And I'm not and I'm not comparing the two. I'm not talking down to anybody that has cancer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mental health wellness will also provide a healthy body. Uh, will make make you feel better. Uh, it's, it's you know, a healthy body, a healthy mind has learned to have help with diabetes, help with all kinds of medical issues. So instead of, you know, belittling people or making fun of people or turning their back on people when they're struggling with a mental health illness, here's an idea. Why don't you just put your hand out and say, I, I, I got your back. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty, pretty simple. And yeah. it sounds like you think that'll lead to a different outcome, right? I, if you do, I, I do too. And listen to your story. I think um, you gave us a lot of insights into into what creates the stigma. It sounds like you reached out to some coworkers, some friends, and you got a negative response. And then even when you found yourself, um, you know, guided by a physician towards mental health, at that point, um, you weren't willing to to follow that advice. Not because you didn't know that you needed help, but because of the reactions that you had already got and and out of um, you know a fear or, or really in, in anticipation of. Mm of further negative, um, negative response. And, and that to me right there, that, that those are the things, those are the ingredients that create stigma. And I agree with you. That's something that, that as a culture, we need to overcome. And when we do, we're going to see great change. I'm wondering what stigma means to you, Mark. Um, well, again, like, like I said, we, the stigma is, is got, is got, it's got, it's got to change, you know, stigma is, is, it's also stereotyping, mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah, sense. and, and like, judging, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. So, I was at a, a convenience store a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago. Started talking to a gentleman who was sitting at the table across from me. We just started small talking. You know, what do you, you know, what do you do for work? I said, oh, I'm, I'm retired, and uh, I said, well, semi-retired. I do motivational speaking and mental health wellness for first responders. And, uh, and, I, and I said, just kind of give you a reason, I, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a history of mental health illness. I can't believe you just said that. Wow. And I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, TMI, too much, too much information, TMI, you know, I don't know what you, you know, you said you were a cop, you know, you're actually a tough guy. 
Uh, and, you know, you guys, you know, then he went on this big kick about cops are evil and, you know, and on and on and on. Uh, and I'm like, well, my, he was pushing my buttons, but I'm in a, diff, I'm in a different place now. So I, uh-huh. I didn't raise my voice or anything like that. But the stigma is it's 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 got to shake. It's just a nasty, nasty thing. And and again, here we are in 2023. This is nothing new. PTSD was around during the Civil Wars. Right. Suicide Bible. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it, it's just why why can't we make a change? Yeah. I, 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 but it's I, I did say that I, somebody raised their hand one time when my presentation goes. Well, we can't change the command staff and law enforcement. They're going to do whatever they want to do. To a point, he's probably right. Okay, but the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, and I said, I said, just you know, present present things. You know, talking monotone voice, and they'll they'll listen. They'll listen. And then he goes, no, no, you know, not my command staff. I go, well, have you tried? No, they won't listen. I'm like, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah, you know, and and that's why that's when I decided that when I want to go on my speaking uh, thing that I just wanted to show people that mental health illness can happen to anybody. Mm. You know, I, when I walk out to the podium in my in my like my conferences I go to or my speaking events I go to, I walk out and I'm in a suit and I got my long hair going. I say I'm a retired cop and probably looking at me like this guy. Can- <laughs> on him or, or what yeah you know <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, I, I like the shock value loop i'm not gonna lie <laughs> you know but i talk i just make it on a very very personal level and i oh and i say this at the end of my presentation if you think mental health you'll never occur a mental health illness that's as crazy as it sounds well especially in the profession um right. of, a, right. of a first responder not only as right. a as a police officer but as in first response right um you know right. the chief in our last podcast said it's it's not a matter if you're if you're in this profession you're going to experience trauma mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of when and and how you're going to handle it right and um right. so it's a given and and to be prepared for for that not to be you know yeah you know, as he said, when he was a young cop, he was, you know, give me all the bad guys, you know, get all the bad guys oh, going, here. you know, oh, the whole absolutely. thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, because that's all the cop shows you watched earlier on. So you wanted to go out and get all the all the all the bad guys as a new police officer. And it's a given. So mm-hmm. why not talk about it? If it's if they know if there's stats and there's data there that there you are going to experience trauma and uh, and you need to be prepared or have the resources available to help you be able to cope with that and live a healthy, normal life and also have a healthy career at the same time. Right. You know? And I think people learn from others. Absolutely. Um, it, 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 I'll give you an example. A conference I was at one time, and this guy gets up and talks before me, and uh, he's got like a PhD doctorate in mental health, I can be honest with you. I didn't understand half the things he said. I, I, I really didn't. I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing this guy by any means. Yeah. But he's in a room first responders. You know, you got to talk slow for us. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You got to. Yeah. You know, yeah. And he kept saying things like, "Well, I'm not a cop, but I get it." I'm like, no, no, bro, you don't. You, you, you don't get it. But he's talking about the, you know, the chemical balance of the brain, and that stuff's all important. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. But I think it needs to, you know, break it down to layman terms. Break it down to. Um, Somebody that's been there, been there, done that. It's 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 like it's kind of like this. You have a backache, you're not going to go to the dentist, okay? You have a toothache, you're not going to go to the chiropractor. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. You be uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Be knowledgeable. Be or uh, be uh, 
specific on what what you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, and, and Jay, you you'll understand this. First responders, we're critical, man. <laughs> we're, we're, we're very very critical to people. Uh, we're very judgmental. As much as I hate to say it, uh, and it's just you you yeah, we we but you have to give a package that people can buy into, such as peer support. If yes, like if I if I was the chief of police or a sheriff somewhere once a year. For two hours, every person, including civilians, are going to have a mental health wellness check. You can sit there, you can talk about politics, you can talk about the job, whatever you want to talk about, and I can guarantee you'll you'll save a life. Guarantee you'll save a life. Now, here's the problem: trying to sell that, especially to a right. to a first responder who's been on 30 years. Are you kidding me? Oh my God! Ah, blah blah. So what do you do? Offer them like a day off. Offer them like an Amazon card. You know, you know, some, something to. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to, what's the word? You don't want to bend their arm to get them there, but you have to guide them there. If that, if, you know, that makes, if that makes any sense or not. Yes. Uh, and that, what I've learned also, the younger cops now, or the younger first responders, they're, they're like, yeah, I, 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 I get that. The the older ones that have been around the block, yeah, that, that's a tough sell. Well, that's where it, it sort of comes from, like with the, you know, the, the, I would say the older generation, right, of of the police officer, you know, being tough. You're the fixer. We talked about that in previous podcasts. Um, you know, the fixer. People call you to fix things, right? To call yeah. to to solve their problems, and uh, and I don't need the help. And and it sort of comes with that territory, right? Is right. I'm the fixer, so. I shouldn't be the one. What are you talking about? I don't need any help. I can fix this myself. Right. And I think that is a huge issue. Myself and Jay have had this conversation, you know, so many times ourselves, amongst ourselves, like, you know, he himself thought he could fix his his own stuff by himself. And then, mm-hmm. and then you know, be able to help others also at the same time. And sure. he found that that wasn't true, right? <laughs> Yeah, I sure did. I did yeah. find that out. <laughs> he found that wasn't I'm true. With you, not laughing at you. I know, I, absolutely. <laughs> no, you know. So it's um, so I get it. You know that that stigma that, yeah. you know, I suppose you know from coming from a female that ego sort of type of thing that macho ego. I'm sure. the big guy. I'm a Superman. I, you know, don't show any weakness. Um, and right. as Chief Del Papa said, that was sort of beaten into you um, as a young police officer many, many years ago. So having said that, um, there still is a huge issue in first response with suicide. Um, and, and it's on the rise. It's not going, it's not going down. It was, there was a little drop there for a little while, but the numbers are showing. It's still there, very, very much so. So how... Like, what would you like to see? Um, I know you go out and you do talks and you do conferences. Talk, tell us a little bit about protecting the Guardian, your organization, and what you offer. Well, you have a okay. whole team well, going. Well, yeah, we we have six of us. Uh, we're a very small organization. We we'll be around for a couple of years. All of us were in different organizations at one time, and we uh, kind of came together, uh, just kind of like on a fluke that we came together. So, in my opinion, it, it was it was meant to be. We're a little unique because we, um, we we talk about faith. That's the subject that people don't want to hear sometimes. We talk about politics on the job and the politics out of out of out of Washington D.C. Also, because uh, that leads to stress. 
we talk about, uh, but we more so, more so we talk about reality and we talk about, yes, this will, this can and probably will happen to you to a point. And so we don't sugarcoat nothing. We just, we say it like it is. Here's the, here's the, here's the facts. Here's, here's, uh, so if a department said, hey, listen, I have a peer support uh, unit and we don't think they're doing that good, we can come in, <clears throat> excuse me, we can come in and we can, we can fine tune it or we can help start a peer support unit. Uh, I've, to, I've, I've, been, I've been to departments that were like a five person department. And I've spoken, I've spoken at Chicago PD, which is the second biggest department in the United States. So we, you know, we, we don't, no, no fences, no boundaries or anything like that. But I think another thing that sets us you're very unique from us is we all have a story in, 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 in our organization. Um, we, we have a, uh, a veteran in, in our organization. He's still, he's still active. Uh, he's done tours in Iraq. He's a police officer, so he can talk about the military part of that. Um, we have a mental health professional uh, on our board, so he can do the, the clinical stuff. Um, but I think what's more, I think what we're probably who sets us aside, we're just very, very personable, uh, not textbook. Uh, we throw the disclaimer right out. They, they, uh, in this presentation, you're probably gonna hear a couple of swear words, um, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, we may piss you off. So be it. Uh, but we're not we're not here to belittle you, to talk down to you, or anything like that. We're here to give you the facts and reality of mental health illness. Yeah. So I think uh, that's where we kind of differ. Uh, because we don't do galas, we don't do these big events, we don't do 5Ks or anything like that. Maybe somewhere down the down down the line, we may. Now, will we support other agents, other organizations that do that? Yes, 100%. We will yeah. absolutely. We'll support them, no doubt. Uh, which we we want, to, we want to build partnerships and build bridges with uh, with other organizations. Uh, but we just stay in our lane. That's that's I think that's the bottom line. Are you a nonprofit? Uh, no, we're actually on LLC. An LLC. Yeah, so yeah. how so how do people find you? How do people know about you? How do how do you get the word out there? Or do you like do media? Do social yeah. media website? Yeah, uh, yeah, we we have a website protect, protectingtheguardian.com. We have a Facebook page. We also have a LinkedIn page. Um, I post I post a lot of stuff on my personal page and on LinkedIn about my about my organization, what we do, and. Um, and one thing I will say this is uh, on our uh, website, we have a list of resources. We're not a 24 hour, if you call us, I'm in crisis, I need help. Unfortunately, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that. Again, maybe down the line, we may, we may visit that, but we have a resource where we could turn you on to mm-hmm. one that, that does that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're very, we, 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 we vet people, we're very, very uh, meticulous. Uh, they have to believe in pretty much everything we believe in. Uh, you know, obviously there's room for maybe a little bit of error or anything like that. But um, we have a we have a whole list of resources on our on our website page. If you look at our Facebook page and also on our LinkedIn, we put a lot of positive stuff on there. Um, you, know, you know, today's a good day. But we also put stuff on, on you know, we put stuff out there. Hey, listen, the number one killer of all first responders is suicide. You know, um, yeah. so we're very blunt when it comes to that. This is what PTSD. Back today's uh, National PCSC Awareness Day. Um, yeah. you know, we, 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 we we promote mental health illness, but we try to promote it in a positive, caring way that, listen, we got your backs. You know, we, we're here for you. Um, and I think we've been very, very successful with, with that. Very so you, successful. So you basically sort of, you're talking about mental health illness, but you're promoting mental health wellness. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and then also, you know, like, like I said earlier, we talk about bullying. We talk about um, Asians that unfortunately don't support people. Yeah. But we also we also have the positive side of that also not every not every agency turns their back on people no way right. I, there's, yeah. there's no way at all that happens but we hear more about that than we hear about the good or or, or the success story of somebody that reached out to get help we want we want to hear about that also you yeah. know you know, we, we do the statistics about how many first responders die every year you know over a hundred thousand active first responders are diagnosed with PTSD one out of four has thought about suicide we talk about that stuff also. Yeah. But I, again, we, we, we make it more on a, on a, just on a personal level. And, we, and as weird as it sounds, we use humor in that also. Yeah. Now, sometimes, oh, God, there's nothing funny about suicide. You are 100% right. But to, make, to lighten the mood a little bit, you know, yep. to just, uh, you know, you, you, you can throw a little humor in there to lighten it up because it's, it's not a funny subject. Yeah. I mean, what about like support for families, trainings for families, or awareness? Um, seminars for families to be aware. I mean, one of our, you know, a couple of our um, guests on previous podcasts uh, were talking about, like, you know, one mom who lost her daughter, a firefighter, and, um, you know, she said, we just thought it was really, really cool that our daughter was kicking ass being a really great firefighter, right? And, but we did not know what PTSD was, or until until she passed, um, right. or any of the trauma, or any anything like that. Um, so, like, do you guys do any trainings or awareness for families, wives, spouses? Like, not only after you know after a loss or a suicide, but before. Like, do you do those things? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it because I forgot that. <laughs> so, so I'm glad. And the oh, girl, you're welcome. She, <laughs> yeah, if she's listening, sorry, Therese. She's a girl <laughs> in, our, in our organization. Her dad uh, died by suicide. He was. He, I worked with him. He uh, was on the job for um, a total of 30 years, and um, he died by suicide five years after he retired. Um, so that's wow. Therese's tea. Uh, I actually just, we just did a uh, presentation uh, a little while ago in Colorado where I, I did the officer part, she did the family part. And uh, Therese was, was was daddy's little girl, uh, a lot of unanswered questions, he didn't leave a note, but she talks about what she believes led to his suicide, uh, his drinking, um, what's it like to grow up in a cop family, and then the resources that we have to help families. So I'm glad, thank goodness you mentioned that, Linda. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just from my own experience, you know, how how sort of helpful I think that talking about those, these type of things, you know, for families to be able to get support and help. Um, you know, for someone who loves a first responder, who supports a first responder who's married to a first responder right so um to get that support because there's such a you know when when a police officer or a first responder is going through challenges mental health challenges and ends up probably in even in crisis the family are also suffering alongside Absolutely. that person and they don't know where to go they're just like what's wrong with this guy? You know, he's, he's drinking a lot more. He's cranky, you know, every night he doesn't want to participate in, you know, doing dinner or washing the dishes the way he used to be. All those things are noticeable, right? Amongst the family, just those normal everyday things. Um, but this one of the sort of things that 
I found that's been lacking or, you know, is not really being talked about. Or maybe there is organizations that are just like hidden. I don't know about them. Um, but that was definitely one of the things that is is missing um, for sure yeah. is talking about support for families, being aware, watching out for these signs. You know, are, are these red flag signs that you're noticing? Is there more beer coming into the house? Um, you know, at the end of a shift, um, is he staying up half the night? Is, you know, all of those mm-hmm. type of things. Um, definitely that's something that's missing. Um, but also, um, one of the huge things, we, we lost Alex in 2018, um, four and a half years ago. Um, he was a police officer in Abington. Um, he did not serve under the chief that we interviewed uh-huh. um, last week. It, it was a different chief. Um, very, very different um, I believe if Alex had probably served underneath the chief now, it, you know, we wouldn't, I wouldn't be talking about him in this way. Um, but we lost him. And I think that one of the um, things that was really missing for us as a family, maybe about a year and a half went by. And we were like on our own. You know, no support from the department um, at all, um, other than his peers, always and still are um, very much connected with us. Um, but as far as the administration, the leadership, as you said, or lack of, um, there was no support there. But one of the things that was really missing was just someone guiding you and saying, these are resources to be able to help you. Sure. And um, there's there was none of that resources, none whatsoever, no one to guide See, us. That, it, it, We're it lost. That's either, either lack of lack of knowledge, lack of education on on the agency's part. Well, and, yeah. uh, and I'm not I'm not I'm not going to babble the agency, but yeah. like 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 I said earlier, this suicide is nothing new. It's nothing new at, at all. Okay, and when it, when an officer dies in a, in a line of duty shooting, uh, crash. Or whatever. I'm not, and I'm not downplaying that by by all means. Agencies are prepared for that. Um, as far as the funeral arrangements goes, they assign an officer to the family, um, the honor watch, all, all that stuff. And that and that's that's great. That's beautiful. They should do that. But when an officer dies by suicide and the family goes, well, do, how do how, what do we do about the funeral? Right? What what do we do the afterwards? How do I tell my how do I tell my family this? How do I explain this? How do I explain that? And they, they just throwing their hands on me, go, I really don't know. Yeah. Shame on them. Shame, shame on them. We Anytime. didn't we didn't even get to ask that question. You know what I mean? Because was yeah. there wasn't even a like a phone call to say, I'm sorry for your loss um at oh. that time. So yeah, it, it was hard. So this new chief in there is definitely very much a breath of fresh air. But you know, having the likes of now like resources out there and you know wanting to help families i mean do we want to save everyone yeah of course we want to of we, we want to prevent yes, a suicide yeah. right and this is why right. we're so passionate about talking about this like myself and jay um is to be able to make it easier for someone to be able to talk within their departments um regardless of what they're being called whether it be you know your week or whatever it might be I feel you're strong. You're a strong person if you go and seek help. Um, yeah. Can I can I just start to get off that topic a little bit? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned, 
you you attempted suicide once, but then you also it was, it was, it was actually twice. Twice, yeah. was that like distance between each other, like time distance between each other, or you know, did you f- did you feel the first time? Obviously, you didn't get help, right? Right. You didn't. You still didn't seek help, saying, "Oh my God!" No, like. Well, it was it wasn't this it wasn't the same night. It was the night when the deputy pulled up next to me when I was in my cruiser. Yeah. Uh, and then I went home early that night because obviously my mindset was was obviously not at work whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I went home. My wife was already in bed. Um, we were sleeping in separate bedrooms at that time. Um, and I started drinking very heavily at my pool, and uh, and I put the gun back in my mouth that uh, probably about one two o'clock in the morning that that morning also. So that same night. Same night. Wow. Uh, and I thought to myself, you know something? There's nobody here to stop me now. Um, my wife may hear the gunshot, but by the time she comes downstairs and goes running out to the pool deck, I'm going to be long gone. Um, but then I started thinking about what, what am I leaving behind? A lot of unanswered questions, uh, the trauma to my wife, to my brother, my sister, and my mom, uh, my coworkers, the, the officers, the fire department, the paramedics that have to respond to the scene, the ones that have to pronounce me dead, uh, the crime scene people. Um, we, my wife and I didn't have a will back then. Um, my agency, the way they were treating me, they, they probably would just said, hey, we're really sorry about what happened, and that's about it. And uh, so th- so I had to really, like, come to Jesus meeting, for lack of a, for lack of a better word, yeah. and uh, decided I needed to get help at that point. Yeah, it's not. It sounds like a little bit that you started to, to you know, have a rational mind, like coming back yes. into yes. Whoa, because I I I can't imagine that someone who is going to take the life is not even thinking. They just want to end the pain, right? Yeah, your, your head is lit, well. I only speak for myself, but my yeah. head was spinning. I just I couldn't rationalize anything. Uh, I started playing victim. Why me? Why me? When I was flying to Boston, I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe the plane crash, the plane will crash, and I'll be the only one killed in it because I don't want to say anybody else died. Or maybe when I get, when I get to Boston, you know, bad Boston traffic is a T bus will, will will hit me. It's just really weird. I was thinking of all that stuff, you know, but I was never thinking once, uh, even though I reflected back to my wife and my family, you know, if I went through it, but you know. I just felt like, listen, I I get I get to go. There's there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing positive in my life right with that now. When I really there was a lot of positive things in my life. Yeah. I just I just chose not to uh, either look at it, accept it, or what or whatever. And when I was diagnosed with my three mental health illnesses, um, I just said, holy crap! You know, I said, wow, this is this is embarrassing. This is uh, people are gonna make fun of me. You know, make fun of me all you want now. I I I I could care less. Good yeah, for you. you. Know, yeah, so I mean, eventually just, you did say it did turn around. I can't yeah, do oh, this yeah. by myself. Oh no, and, and I got and one thing my wife said to me, and at first at first it kind of pissed me off, I'm not gonna lie, but she was hundred percent right when she said it. When I came back and said to her, you know, I, I you know, I, I was I was literally shackled, I was literally shackled in the bed at, at in hospital. That's how bad that's how combative I got um when I was in Boston. But I came back home and I was telling my wife all this and uh, on and on and on. And she said, well, you know something? I got your back. I am going to help you 100%. I want I want my old Mark back. I want the guy I fell in love with back. Oh. Uh, but she said this to me, I'm not going to baby you. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? 
Boy, was she 100% right. And she, they, they, that was tough love. That's what that was. So you, know, you, ha- would, you had to put the work yeah. in, right? Yeah, you, yeah, had to, yeah. you had to meet her halfway. Yeah, yeah. You, like the old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and I'm glad she said that to me because uh, a couple of times when I felt like it was when I was slipping, not getting the help. I mean, going to therapy and all that, but kind of like, eh, yeah, whatever. And I would talk to her. And she would just set me right back on that on that path again, you, wow. you know. Uh, and I guess it probably does help because she's got PTSD uh, from childhood trauma and from being a nurse for so many years. Um, so I guess first of a better block together, I guess, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, it's you, you got to take that step forward. You, yeah. you, you, re, you can't take a step back. Yeah. You know, you get it. And Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah, yeah. It's a long and windy road. Do I still have my do I still have my bad days, my bad nights? Yeah, I, I had a nightmare the other night where I jumped out of bed. You know, it was, it was from a call that I went, went on like in the early 90s, you know, and it just, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. But yeah. now I know how to breathe. I know how to... Um, you you know, know how to manage it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You have the and tools. My, yep, she's right, right next to me in bed. She's rubbing my back. She's talking to me. And she has to get up in two hours to work, and I felt really bad, Yeah, you know, yeah. and... and but she she has she has she has my back. And when I she called me on, on her lunch break, she said, You feeling better? I said, Yeah, I feel a lot better. And I said, you know, thank you. She said, you would you have done the same for me? I go, Of course I would if she was okay. Mm. Yeah. Of course, it's got a very unique way of saying things. Yeah. Know, so Do you feel like a lucky man that you have the support? I'm blessed. No question about You're it. You're blessed. I am blessed, yeah. I, I love that. Can I ask you a little bit about um I know you, you might not go into it in different interviews or whatever, but I want to ask you about your faith. Like when did you um, like start to, to, you know, embrace that a little bit more? Um, sure. Did that help I, you? Did that help you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Oh, I, I love talking about my faith. I, okay. I, I love my faith. So I will tell you this. Um, I was 23 years into my career and um, I'm going to tell you the Reader's Digest version. I was recommended to be terminated. Uh, I was recommended to be terminated because uh, I did not lock up another cop for, for DUI, for OUI, DUI. They plug, we call it DUI, OUI. I want to give you the circumstances. The, police, the, the cop that was stopped was an Iraq vet. He's got two or three Purple Hearts, severe PTSD, alcoholic. His marriage is on the rocks. Same department I work for. He, um, I talked to him one time. It, he blew me off. Uh, but I said to myself, if we arrest this guy, what's what, what, what good is it going to do? It's not, not that cops are above the law. That's not what I'm saying. But what good is it going to do? It's going to put him in a spiral. Worse than he is now. Could it lead to a suicide? It's very possible it could. Yeah. So um, I was terminated because of that. Um, and um, I was I was, I was was driving home from my, my hearing where they said that they were going to terminate me. And this sounds really strange. I was flipping around my, uh, my 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 satellite radio, and don't ask how this happened, but Joel Osteen popped in. Okay, uh, a lot of people don't like Joel Osteen. Uh, he, that's what I needed. I needed to hear about God. I needed to hear about the he has your back. Uh, the past is the past. Move on from the past, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then he started talking about being born again. I'm like, what's this born again thing? I'm, I'm a Catholic. We say Hail Marys. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. And I'm like. You know something that makes like a lot of sense what he's talking about. So I went home. My wife was still at work, um, and I got on Google and I looked up uh, John three sixteen. I looked up um, 
uh, spirituality. I looked up faith. I looked up, you know, being born again, all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's actually really cool. That's that this. And I, I felt like at ease. I really felt at ease. So, so my wife came home from work. She already knew about the termination. She's, she's a basket case. I'm like, everything's fine. She, she's looking at me like, what? I said, everything's fine. It's going to work out. So we started talking about faith. And then uh, she's, oh my God, we were talking about this the other day at work. And I said, um, you want to give this, want to give this faith thing a, a shot? And she's like, yeah. So we got our knees and we prayed and we accepted Jesus as our savior. So, uh, I was still out of work. Um, but I retained my job, uh, retained my back pay, retained my sergeant's pay. That was an act of God. That's what that was. Wow. No doubt. Yeah. So now, um, Oh, I, I love talking about faith. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I love talking about my faith. Um, I, I, I pray two, three times a day. I do my big prayer in the morning. I do one in the afternoon, one before I go to bed and I start my prayers like this, me again. I also realized my sins and everybody's got sins. Everybody's got skeletons in their closet. Um, but I, since I, and, and uh, the kind of put what I talked about earlier, when the baby died, I, I said to God, how does this happen? This is a four month old baby that doesn't have a chance. And I was so, I was so irritated with him. So you, irritated. You're with angry. Him. I was, yeah, mm-hmm. but it's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to question God. You know, mm-hmm. that's how you get answers. And uh, now here we are as a Christian about uh, six years now, five or six years. Uh, I, 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 I actually have people come up to me and say, what happened to you? I'm like, well, what do you mean? Well, you're this different person. You're not on the edge anymore. You, you don't go, you know, yell and scream. You don't get pissed off so quick anymore. I'm like, well, God's got my back. You know, I, I wear my faith-based T-shirts and, Buy my rock and roll T-shirts, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I listen to Mercy Me, Micah Tyler, all you know, and I'm a big rock and roller, but I listen to my faith-based music. And um, since I found the Lord, uh, I, 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 the only way I can, only way I can word it, it's amazing. It really is. You have that feeling inside your chest that you just cannot explain how good that feels. I know. And somebody said recently one time, "Well, you believe in something that you never saw before?" Yeah. That's crazy. No, it's, it's read the book. It's not crazy. Mm. It's, it's, not, it's not crazy, not crazy at all. And I, tr- and I've gone through some term, uh, some tough times since I've been retired, uh, some health issues, everything I prayed to God for has came through for me yeah. in a positive, in a positive light. Well, thank so, you for sharing and, yeah. you know, letting us in on that part of it, because I'm sure also, you know, through this. Well, you journey- want to hear, hear a funny story, if you don't mind for a quick yeah, second. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times I grow a beard. Um, my, my wife doesn't like facial hair. So she's when it's time to go out, time to go off. Like right now I don't have one. And of course, when I shave, she always says, Oh, you look 10 years younger. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm on a flight about uh, four months ago and I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in an aisle seat and I have my long hair going and I had, I had a, my beard was growing in really good the way I liked it. And I'm like that. I'm thinking to myself and I see this older gentleman get on the plane. Better be probably about in uh, in his eighties. He's walking, he's walking with a, um, with a cane. And uh, as he walks towards me, we we make eye contact. So I smile and he he nods back. He puts his hand on my shoulder and goes, he has risen. He goes, everybody tell you you look like Jesus? (laughs) So (laughs) Said it to you? Yeah, yeah. The whole place started clapping. So I stood up and go, this is going to be the safest flight ever. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I I just thought that was so, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I bet it made you feel good too. It did. And then about when we were in flight, the flight attendant walks up, he goes, 
uh, the gentleman four seats behind you bought you a beer. I'm like, oh, that's good also. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. yeah I love that. that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So so what I want to ask you is, um, you know, before we finish up this evening, I mean, I love your story. I mean, talk about going through so much trauma, right, um, in your life uh, from a child to being in a police officer um, and dealing with all that type of stuff and then coming through on the other side, right, and um, how much better your life is now not only because you're retired, but because you found faith and you're at peace and acceptance with what, you know, you have gone through in your life. That has helped you grow as a person. Um, and also be able to, you know, go into, you know, the LLC, the business, protecting the, the Guardian, right? Um, and be able to help others, which is absolutely amazing. So having said that, give me your thoughts on, like, what would you ultimately like to see like happen in departments to help others? I would like to see a couple of things. One, I, I would like to see the brotherhood and sisterhood return to departments. Um, unfortunately, uh, politics got involved in, in all first responders. They demonized law enforcement. The media did. Um, I would like to see those things change because those lead to mental health issues. So I say that for a reason. When you say, when when I, you say brotherhood, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, I just explain like it for our listeners, you know. Okay, okay. the, the brother, when, when I started back in 1985, God, I sound old when I say that. When, when I started back in 1985, I was always taught that you back up, you back up your brother officer, your sister officer, you back them up all the time. You stand by them through thick and thin. And when they get in trouble, guess what? You have their back. Uh, when when uh, if they have a kid, you go over to their house and you, you bring a gift. You uh, you cut their grass if they're sick. Those are all things that kind of has faded away, unfortunately, in in, in, in law enforcement. And I I really hate I hate to, I hate to say it. so. I like to see it go back to simpler times when it comes to that. But also, I want to catch up into modern times where, like I said earlier, the this uh, once a year two hour mental health checkup. You know, but I would, ultimately, I would like to see agency leaders because the, you know the leaders the leaders make the ultimate decision. Mm-hmm. The chief, the sheriff, the captains. They make the ultimate decision what happens in their agency. So I, so instead of giving a big song and dance, oh, yeah, I got your back on and on and on, put your money where your mouth is. Absolutely. In the, in, in the law enforcement world, a department will go out and buy this $80,000 SWAT man. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from that, okay? It's needed. I, I, I absolutely. But we won't drop $1,000 for mental health wellness or, or, or something like that. And then the answer I heard one time when I used the example was, "Well, SWAT saves lives." Well, no shit. So, 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 do, so does mental health wellness. Yeah, mm. you know. Um, yeah. So I would like to see. I would like to see that. But I would like to see people, you know, um, reach out and, and just do the do the right thing for all our first responders. You know that um, we're in a tough time right now. We we we, we truly truly are. Suicide is it's a little bit of a roller coaster right now. One year it's up, next year it's down. Somebody said to me one time, "Well, your goal is to never see a suicide in the first responder world again." That would be absolutely amazing, but let's be real here for a minute. You know that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's, it's not going to happen. Mm. So I like to see advocates in there. I would like to see also, um, and I've done this for several departments. I've also heard no from several departments also. When they have roll call, come in. For, let me come in for five, five minutes. Just tell them, hey, listen, I, I've been on the edge. I, I've been there. I've done that. On and on. This can happen to everybody. 
and I'm not going to mention the department, but there was, there was a suicide um, uh, last year in Massachusetts. I, I was I was just having to be on vacation in back home when it happened. I went to that department. They blew they blew me off like to like to no end. Yeah, it was to the point where I honestly I felt like I was bothering them. Yeah, and, you know, and maybe it was too soon. You know that 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 that, that could be. But you gotta you gotta take time for mental health, wellness, suicide prevention. It's it, it, you know something, it, Jay, you can relate to this. Having PTSD, okay, that is it, it, it could be a career killer. Absolutely could. But you also can go, you also can work with it also as long as people have your back. Absolutely. You know? talk, let's let's stop talking crap about people. You, you know, nobody makes fun of that person with one with one arm or one leg. Okay. Yeah. Let's 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 change the culture. Let's 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 just do things a little bit differently now, you know. Yeah. And then let's bring faith into law into the first responders. Also, they have chaplains. Chaplains do a, do a, do a great job. Faith may be may not you know, as much. I hate to say as a Christian, but faith may not be your thing. Yeah. Uh, but music therapy. Uh, here's an idea: take a day off. Do you have to work that, that extra shift tomorrow? Um, take time to make time. Make time to take time. But I would I wish. I'm sorry, I'm kind of long-winded when I say this, but no. and, um, I wish agencies and all first responders would just take a look at mental health wellness for their people. Yeah. And, and, and say, listen, if you come to me for help, yeah, we're not going to fire you. We're not going to put you on the rubber gun squad. We're not going to you know, tuck you away somewhere. Uh, we're going to get you the help that you deserve. And if you feel you can't go on with your career, that's fine. Guess what? We're going to help you with that also. Yeah. Also, I would like to see a agency. When I retired... I had no idea of how to be retired. I know that sounds stupid. Okay. I just woke up one day. I said, you know, I don't have a uniform anymore. <laughs> you know, I see Jay smiling. So you get, yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I really did not, I really know how to adjust into the civilian world at first. Then about maybe two months later, I'm like, okay, this is actually pretty good. Yes. So, but uh, I mean, I, I didn't know what my health benefits were. Uh, I didn't know like when my pension's going to kick in all these signs, a piece of paper and said, see, goodbye. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, you know, it's really sad about that. We don't do enough for our retirees also because suicide is actually up for retirees and for, in first responders. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, older, <laughs> like older first responders, gentlemen. And that, that makes me even so sad even to think about that. It after does. going through a whole yeah. career and, yeah. and then the support what is not there for them right. to be able to use, right, to help them get, transition into you know being a civilian um yeah it's so hard to even think about that if we get the politics out of law out of all first responders like i watched a thing on the news a while ago and it was an officer involved shooting and by 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 looks of it all look like a clear shoot look look like it was justifiable shoot but the chief of that department got on tv and said we're gonna look into see if this is a racist issue we're going to look and see, we're going to see what his, his discipline reactions are on and on and on. So what did that leader, what did that chief of police do? He turned his back on his whole department at that point. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that leads to being disgruntled, to being pissed off, and to mental health issues. If I was ever became a chief of police or a sheriff, which I wouldn't because I have to cut my hair, so I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would not change the policy and have long hair. Yeah, you know. But I, I would come in and say right away, the biggest thing in my department, or I, let me take that back, in our department is mental health wellness for everybody involved. Uh, 
and then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a long, successful, healthy career, mentally, physically, morale-wise. Now, can you change everything? No, you can't. But when you show your people that you support them, they're gonna go a long way. Absolutely. They, and you know, like I, I'll give you an example. I worked for Stop yeah. and Shop when I was a kid. Some when some when some of the managers were on, we had to do our job. Other managers, we can go hide in the back room. Or we could, we knew who what boss we we could play, what boss we couldn't play. Yeah, you know. This is doing even playing field, if that if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I I get it. I'm a you know I I run a little business here too. So, yep. um, you know, I'm the owner, but I I don't demonstrate that. Um, mm-hmm. Very often, we're a team, so right. unless I have to, um, I don't yeah. demonstrate that. So I get it. I get the whole thing um, of being a leader and, uh, you know, a boss and, and being a part of a team. And that's what, how it, it all works, right? Everyone is all right. happy at the end of the day. And, um, Absolutely. But, but having said that, um, you know, liking to, wanting to get into... Uh, support for leaders, I heard you say, mm-hmm. right? Leaders being support departments supporting their their folks, bringing families in, right? Yes. Having bringing families in where, you know, they're talking about this type of stuff with mental health, bringing families in so they're not isolated away from each other. I know a lot of first responders like they all know each other's business, right? And and of course, if someone is going to get help, then they all know that too. Um, right. So, yeah, um, if you if you want somebody to know something, tell a cop. They'll blab everything. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. So a lot of you know police officers, first responders, you know, shy away from that. But definitely, I totally agree with you. You know, you can provide the resources, as um, Chief Del Papa said. Um, you know, you can provide the resources, but um, you need more than that. You need to be able to back yeah. it up. If I could piggyback on that, yeah, yeah, definitely provide resources, but also show the resources. Don't just send it out in an email. Don't send out in a five-minute video clip of whatever. Yeah, have people come in that believe in it. Yeah, because hey, because you're not going to go to Mercedes to buy a Buick. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, so have surround yourself with people that get it. Yeah, that, Ab- that absolutely. Really, and, and when it comes to peer support. If there's if there's an open on peer support unit and they somebody applies, well, it's promotion time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna so I so I can pad my resume. Move on. You're not there for the right reasons. Most peer support units, you don't make you don't make any extra money being on that team. Those people that are on that peer support teams, that they're they're for here. They're from the heart. They're doing yes. it for the right thing. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, yeah, but but again, it all begins. As much as I hate to say it, it all begins at the top. It, it, really, it, it sure does, and it, and it manifests it, it, down into the rest of the the rest down, right? We we talked sure. about that. Uh, uh, Jay says to me, you you know, you might say it a little bit too often, but if a first responder, if a police officer sees someone or notices someone going and getting help, and they receive the help from the department, well, more than likely, mm-hmm. if they need help, they're going to seek it too and believe that they're going to get it, right? And right. then the opposite to right. that. If they, they witness someone going to get help and they don't get it and they're shunned and they're judged and they're talked about, well, then they're going to back off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. they're going to back yeah. off and shy away from that yeah. and, and, and then struggle even more. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it accumulates over time, and then it, it can become a crisis and, sure you know, can. ultimately possibly suicide. And we want to sure. avoid that. 
You know, we want to avoid those situations that uh, avoid crisis. You know, let's get the help if you feel that you're having challenges. Let's let's right. seek the help then, because you can't get help. And, and also, how to seek help in for mental health wellness should be at the academy level also. Mm. Uh, you know, for for these guys and girls that are probably usually they're they're in their early twenties, late twenties. You know, enter into the career of first responder world and on and on and on. You're going to be taught how to run into a burden building. You're going to how to put your mask on, how to do all that. So, you know, how to face it. I'm, I'm gunman and all that. That's great. That's that's great. We you have to learn that stuff. Yeah. His night, maybe an hour or two, which really isn't that much. It should be longer, in my opinion, but maybe two hours of just mental health wellness. Yeah. You're going to see the worst of the worst. You know, you're going to click, you're going to go to, you're going to go to a call. Uh, and then you go home that morning or that night and you go into bed, what's the thing you're going to think of? You're going to think of that nasty call that you were just on, you know? And that's one thing I love about the firefighters is you you guys have a really good peer support. You have that kitchen table, you know? And I've sat at that kitchen table with firefighters. And the way they, and you guys the same way as we are as cops, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll joke on each other and stuff like that. And that's fine. That, that's, that's, that, that's okay. But just to sit there and just talk, that's, that that's that's like paramount. That really is. And I'll give you an example. We were at a, we went to a traffic crash uh, about a year before I retired. Four people killed in the crash. Two young kids. Ugh. Very bad scene. Very somber scene. When the crash got cleared up, the um, uh, one of the firefighters said to me, "Are, are you busy?" I said, "No, man. I'm, I'm, as weird as it sounds, I'm gonna get a bite to eat. You know, I haven't ate dinner yet. You know, I know it sounds kind of weird." He goes, "Will I come by the station?" So right there, I said to myself, all right, he, he wants to talk about something. You, you can tell. So I walked into the station. I go, yeah, of course I will. I, I go back into the station, and everybody's at the kitchen table, about 12 firefighters and me, and we talked about two hours about that call. There was mm. tears. There was anger. Uh, and it was. I thought that was just so amazing. Mm. You know, I'm like, and this is very simple. It's, yeah. it's very, very simple. And you, you, hadn't, you hadn't experienced that before? Like in uh, your own department as a police officer, like you unloading? Yeah, we we have, but it's more it's it's more it was to be honest with you, it was more of a bullshit session, you know, more of an anger session. You know, I can't believe they did this, I can't believe they did that, on and on and on. So what I used to do as a sergeant, when we had a serious incident, I would get everybody together right after the incident or shortly after the, the incident, mm-hmm. and then we would just sit. We, everybody go, everybody go to Sub Love and grab your copies. We're gonna go, we're gonna go behind Home Depot, not at the office. We go behind Home Depot and we're gonna talk. Some people they won't talk. That's yeah. fine. That way you can instead of talking to them on the phone or whatever, you see their body reactions, how they're reacting to when you talk. And and, and the, the the quiet ones, those are the ones you have to look out for, obviously. Mm. Sucking everything in. Yeah. You know, holding it all in, trying to yeah. figure out how to process it. And yeah. um, you know, yeah. and trying to figure it all out. And yeah. I do you want to chime in there, Jay? Well, I'm sort of summarizing this whole conversation in my head right now, and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I, I think it's a valuable conversation. I think, um, I think your experience uh, sheds light on a number of key factors in this conversation about, about mental health and well-being and first response. Uh, we touched earlier on, um, you know, kind of the creation of stigma, right? Coworkers, negative reactions. And um, I think that you also really, really uh, clearly explained uh, the opposite of that when you described your wife's reaction when when she came to you and said, I got your back, you know, and and, uh, it's a tough love format. You got to put in the work, but I'm absolutely here for you. You're okay. We're going to get through this. 
And uh, I find myself now uh, considering or wondering uh, what the outcome would be if if we saw um, an administrative adoption of that mindset, right? Like when the bosses, when that top tier uh, come to an understanding of mental health. And I don't say that begrudgingly either because uh, this is a complex conversation. I understand why at times there's an administrative reflex to this conversation. We're sending police officers out with guns. Uh, first response as a whole, we're sending them into crisis. We're sending them into trauma. Uh, and, and for lack of a better word, they're afraid of, of the outcome. They don't know how to deal with it. Um, before I, I became a firefighter, I, I spent a little time working in the trades, right? you got to move a load-bearing wall or some other complex task. You don't just not look at it or the building will fall down, right? you got to, whoa, all right, we got let's figure out how to properly support this structure, um, otherwise, uh, otherwise, something we're going to have a negative outcome here, right? So, and I also I further wonder uh, what would have happened on that scene, you know, that you described with I, I you know, I the I love the brotherhood too, right? And and when you were talking about coming across a, a, a fellow officer, um, and and I'm a military veteran also, right? And and having compassion, that's what I heard. In that story, not a lack of judgment. I heard compassion. I, I heard, I heard uh, an ethical dilemma, and I wonder if, if in that moment, right, if we eventually, which we will, the, the you know, the the tide is shifting or, or the culture is changing. I don't know how long it'll take, right? But if you knew in that moment, this this man or woman is going to get help, right? If if I address this situation, they're not going to lose their job. They're not going to spiral downward. Instead. We're going to avoid that outcome because I know, I know uh, that this administration is going to understand that this person is suffering from reactions to trauma, uh, from a life of selfless service, and and finally he's going to be rescued. What a great opportunity, um, you know. And and then and then the unintended consequences of, of that, you know, you're not facing disciplinary action. This man or woman um, finds them themselves with the opportunity to heal and to begin getting well. Uh, there is no downside to promoting this conversation, and it has been an absolute pleasure. I would say to speak with you, but I just listened, right? And, and I feel like I learned. And that's my goal in every one of these podcasts, to hear a new perspective um, and, and to you know just see this conversation get furthered along. Absolute pleasure, Mark, and thank you so much, for everything that you do. Well, thank you guys also for what you do. And I truly mean that when I say that, I say that because you guys are, are running with the ball also. And, and this is where we, we, we become a team, uh, obviously. We don't have to hit it out of the park every single time, but hopefully somebody heard us in our conversations or the past conversations with you guys that has been struggling and says, you know something? Yeah, maybe 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 maybe, maybe it is time. Yeah. So, so I give you guys... You're tackling the subject that's taboo as I'm tackling a subject that's taboo. Some people are going to laugh at us. There's no question about that. Mm. Yeah, you know, laugh all you want, you yeah. know, laugh all you want, then get some help. That's probably what you need, you know? Yeah. So, but but I, I, I take it as, as, as an honor. Thank you guys so much. Anytime I can get the word out, I just, I, I thrive off it. I, I, I re- really do, you know? Amen.
Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Mark. I, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to speak with us, sharing your story, sharing your struggles, sharing your healing and, um, and letting others know that you can get help. You can still Amen. be work right and, and not be on the job and still be healthy. And that mental wellness is very, very much important. So it's, it's paramount. Yeah. yeah. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Have a great well, thank night. Thank you guys. Thank you. you. God bless you guys. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much. Bye now. Have a good night. Till next time.